0: Welcome to the Football Fun Factory Podcast. My name
1: is Johnny Martin. I'm a head coach at the Football Fun Factory. And today we've got fellow head coach, Keith Driscoll. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good. How are you?
1: Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, so today, Keith, we're going to delve in to your history. Uh, we're going to hear your whole life story crammed into 20 minutes. Um, so let's, let's get things underway. To start off with then, Keith, how did you get into football?
0: Yeah, so my experiences of playing football probably are a little bit different than, than the majority of people in England. So I, I was grew up in Ireland and um, I started playing Gaelic football before I, I started playing soccer. So from as young as I can remember, like, I don't really remember ever going to my first training session or, or my first match or anything. But we always would go to, to the football on a Sunday. Um, and watch the matches so we could be traveling all over Ireland. And we'd get up early in the morning, travel to wherever the match was with a, a bag of sandwiches and, and some sweets and, and watch the <laughs> games. And then always sort of seemed to to play Gaelic throughout my childhood, throughout school, really, really enjoyed it. Played football, soccer, when I was probably seven or eight for, for a while, um, for a couple of years until I was like maybe 10 or 11. And then I stopped playing. Um, and I didn't then start playing again until I was 15, 16. So yeah, I, I had about four or five years where I didn't, didn't play any football. When I, was, um, when I was playing football, I played with everyone I played with. I went to school with or we hung around. With each, like we lived beside each other and we were all like really, really good friends. And then like, we were actually quite a, quite a good team. We'd done really well. And, and amongst our little group of local teams, we were one of the best. And then people started realizing, oh, he's good, he's good, and the people, my friends and the people I played with they started going off to other clubs and, and joining other clubs. And I also had always told, like, because the club I was playing for was my local club, that's who I would play for, and I wouldn't move anywhere else, and, and my parents really didn't want me to go play anywhere else. So because my friends were no longer playing at this local club, I didn't want to play there anymore. So just didn't play for a couple of years. I still played Gaelic, but I didn't play football then for a while.
1: Okay, so what I was going to ask earlier, Keith, before I rudely interrupted, what on earth is Gaelic football for the people that don't know? And I'm one of them. I, I don't know the rules. you want to give me a quick of <laughs> course.
0: Yeah, so Gaelic is probably like a mix between soccer and rugby. So you can lift the ball in your hands, you can kick it on the ground. It's got a big rugby posts. If you kick the ball into the back of the net, you get three points. So if you kick it over the bar you get one point so it's a little bit rougher than football and um, but not as rough as rugby.
1: A cross between the two sounds good um sounds interesting anyway I must admit I played rugby when in school and I think I got tackled once and then after that I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah I've never played rugby it doesn't appeal to me I, I don't like getting hurt that much.
1: <laughs> yeah that's it. um so Kiefer, so after, obviously you, you play football, that's how you got into football. How did you get into coaching?
0: Yeah, so obviously, I, well, <laughs> similar to how I started playing, I actually started coaching Gaelic football before I started coaching football. So I played Gaelic football throughout my, my whole childhood. And, and in Gaelic football, you don't like change from team to team. So the teams are very much community based and everyone in the one, there'd be one team per community. So you play for the team in the town where you live and that's it. Like you don't move to another team. It just doesn't happen. So I played for that team since I was like four or five years old up until I was 20, 21. Um, So that's the team you play for and everyone in the area that you grew up with plays for that team and, and is a part of that club. So when I then got to 16, 17, it was just natural that you help out coaching the younger kids. Nice. So I was then transitioning from being like a youth player to being an adult player and would then just, on on the evenings that I wasn't doing anything, I wasn't training, would go and help coach the under-8s, the under-9s, the under-10s, whatever it was, um, and just be around the club as someone that the younger kids could look up to and, and could see that the senior players were coming down and sort of giving a bit of a hand. Um, so that's yeah. how I started coaching. I then done... My level one coaching in Gaelic football and done that for a little bit. Got a job with the council, so the local council. And my job was to, this is while I was still in university, so my job was in the evenings I would go to random places where there was little 3G pitches and put on a session for anyone that turned up. So sometimes I'd get there and no one would turn up. And then sometimes you'd get there and 35 kids would turn up. So you just have to sort of deal with what, what happens when you get there. Um, so that was my first sort of coaching job. I'd done my foundation coaching badge, it was called, in Northern Ireland when I was doing that job. Um, I then moved to Cyprus, came back, moved to England and done my level one. And then about six months after doing my level one, done my level two. Started working full time at Cambridge United and then a little while down, just started then coaching within the development centres, the Shadow Academy and then eventually the Academy.
1: Well, I'm going to take you back. You've gone through quite a long journey there. So we'll, we'll break because there's some really interesting points in that, Kiefer. So when, when you first started coaching, obviously some people um, think it takes a bit of time to get used to. And obviously, you've got a large group of kids that turn up and sometimes you have 35 kids. How how natural was it for you and, and how did you feel when you first started coaching?
0: Um, not at all, really, be For all like it was sort of I always felt like it wasn't like I wanted to go and do it. We sort of like you had to go and do it. You didn't really yeah. have a choice. Like there was a couple of us and we were sort of at that age where there was probably four or five of us who were making the leap from an under 18 team into a senior team. And like It was more so I wanted to get my face around the club a bit more and get people knowing me and thinking, oh, he's a good lad. like yeah. He helps out and things like that. And, but in terms of actually going and delivering a session or telling kids what to do, like I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't really feel comfortable doing things like that. Um, and then it was just working with other coaches and, and be, the more I'd done it, the more I felt comfortable and then I was willing to sort of watch stuff on YouTube or watch stuff on the internet and think, oh, I could do that. And I would just go out and try and reciprocate what I'd seen, and really? so that was like very much at the start. Like I wasn't like a natural. I didn't take to it. I didn't like. I probably didn't enjoy it as like doing it really. Um, but I was just persistent with it and and kept going, and very quickly fell in love with doing it.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting. I think that probably speaks volumes for you, Keith, is that in those early stages of when you're coaching, you're actually just doing it to try and get yourself around and, and be seen
0: Yeah, absolutely
1: by people and, and and have that people have that opinion of you and, and trying to go above and beyond to make a difference which to be honest that's what that's really what coaching is so the other thing I was really interested that you you flew by at a rating um was Cyprus Can tell me all about Cyprus
0: yeah so when I finished university i then had um a couple of weeks where i I didn't know what i was going to do didn't know what my plan was actually i think i was planning on in september like moving to liverpool to do another university degree there and and then i very quickly decided that that wasn't what i was going to do my girlfriend was working in cyprus so i decided that i would just go out and live in Cyprus for a bit and see how that went. So right. within the space of two weeks, I decided that I might go move to Cyprus. And within two weeks I was in a fl- on a flight, going to Cyprus, um, had nowhere, <laughs> nowhere to live or anything, just sort of winged it. Went out there, stayed with Natasha for a while where she was staying, yeah. um, and then we picked up a, a flat, rented a flat, and lived in Cyprus for 10 to 12 months. So the next year we just spent in Cyprus and um, Tasha was working in a hotel ads on two different jobs so I spent one week working in a hotel and um, which was all day so nine in the morning till till nine in the evening and um, six days a week you had one day off right. and my job was an entertainer so I had <laughs> to yeah it was part of the animations team they call it yeah so I had to go around the hotel I had set times I would have to conduct a different activity nice. so say at ten o'clock it might be we had to play um, ping pong and then at twelve o'clock we had to play water polo and it would be spread out the day through that so that was my job for a week um, nice. and then it got too long and I wasn't enjoying the sun as much so I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah well there's a few things in there Kiefer I mean I've played table tennis against you mate and you're rubbish um, so yeah.
0: that... <laughs> it didn't shoot me very it
1: well. Very quick. Um did you have any any football experiences while you were out there? Did you watch any f- games? Did you play any games?
0: Yeah, so so well, yeah, so I watched a lot of football because when I left the hotel I then worked as a barman in a pub and it was a sports bar and all all we ever done was watch football. So there's football on all the time. And then I actually I played a couple of games of football, a five aside um in in a local pitch and it was horrendous so because okay. the weather's like 30 degrees 35 degrees roasting and um, very oh, what do you call it when you can't get uh humid i mean a yeah, very humid so running around after a football and trying to get oxygen in your lungs was impossible so yeah, yeah it was very very tough but it was a good workout and a good, a good way to lose loads of weight
1: Nice. You're quite fair skinned as well, Kiefer, So I can imagine the hot sun beating down would have played it
0: played its part. Yeah, it wasn't great. Loads of sun cream on, and <laughs> the That's Irish skin in me didn't really help.
1: No, it's brilliant. So then, <clears throat> excuse me. So you moved over to England following your time in Cyprus.
0: Yeah.
1: What What happened when you moved back over?
0: Yeah. So. So, interestingly enough, I actually when I moved back so I'd done a marketing degree in uni. That was my that's what I studied. That's what I'd done. So I'd done business studies A levels, went on to do marketing. So for me up until well, up until moving to England, coaching wasn't like a job or, or a career. It was something that I'd done part-time to get a bit of money and something that I'd done voluntarily for the football club because I wanted to better I wanted to look good in in the eyes of people above me and and that I was making a difference in helping out in the community but it wasn't a career path and so when I moved to England I very much wanted to get a job in marketing Uh, I remember in Cyprus before we left sitting down and writing a CV and and a covering letter and thinking it was unbelievable (laughs) and I actually before I moved back I remember I I spent like quite a bit of money on like suit and shirt and tie and trousers and stuff because I was like I'm going to move back and I'm going to have a job nine to five where I'm going to have to wear a shirt and tie yeah, and like that's going to be my life (laughs) and I sent loads of like applied for loads of marketing jobs Um, and like I mean I must have applied for over 50 jobs and didn't get one interview like not even like a response from anything. Your CV must and, have been good, mate. <laughs> yeah, no. And then, and then I decided that I would make up a CV with all the coaching jobs that I had. So then I had two different CVs. I had a CV for marketing jobs and a CV for my coaching jobs. And the first job I applied for was a job at Cambridge United. Yeah. And within a day, they phoned me back and I had an interview. I went for the interview and then got offered a job like straight away. So nice. it was very clear then that I probably was going to have a bit more luck getting a job in coaching and in football than I was in in marketing.
1: It's really interesting because I I still remember our first session. I think you still got the coat I, I lent you that evening. <laughs> um, but when when you coached that first time, it's obviously the first time I I mean I'd met you in the office and and walked and sort of said hello, but I'd never really had a proper conversation with you. And within minutes, I knew straight away what brilliant potential, I'm trying to make you blush now, maybe but potential and what a brilliant coach you were. Just because I think it was almost probably, listen to your story now, it's probably a, an, all of the things you've done previously that that made you into that yeah. evening. So some of the things like straight away, all the kids were buzzing because you were just having a joke and a laugh as they came in and you created that instant rapport. There was like, I remember, I remember it so vividly. You, you were like went out your way to really help people, and and one of the lads kicked his ball over the fence, and you walked all the way around <laughs> the rather than saying, oh, I would have just gone, "Nah, go on, you go get it." But yeah. looking back on it now, it sort of paints, tells a little bit of a story about you as a coach.
0: I think um, like part of the reason I don't know maybe because I like I never thought of coaching as a career or as a job, and even when I started working at Cambridge, it wasn't. I never thought that I'd then like. Be a full-time coach and like spend my life coaching and and make an earn a living out of coaching it was just like it was fun and like I quite enjoyed doing it but it was like a stepping stone to until I got a big boy job or a real job um and that's how I viewed it for, for a long time and 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 that's probably why, like, when I went in to do sessions, I never really felt nervous or, like, when I'd done my interview session and stuff, I never really felt nervous around it or or that, like, I was under loads of pressure because I was just doing it for the fun of it and it was just yeah. something that would tie me over. Um, well, and then obviously, as I got more involved, that, that changed. it's
1: <laughs> the old saying, isn't it, where you say, like, find something you love doing, you never work a day in your life. And, and it's... Like coaching, at times it does almost feel too good to be true to actually be a an occupation and a, and a job like.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and that's like I like come across so many, so many people and so many coaches who they have to. They put a session on for someone else, so they put a session on and, and they put loads of pressure on themselves and they think oh, if this doesn't go well, like it's going to be so bad. And actually. You need to forget about all that and just focus on having fun and enjoying coaching. So we always speak about like we want the children in our sessions to have fun. And that's the main thing, fun over anything. But that has to be the same for us coaches. Like You have to go enjoy what you're doing and you have to go have fun while you're delivering the session.
1: That's it. So Kiefer, I know know, uh, obviously football is a big love of yours and in particular Liverpool. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your love for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, so my accent mightn't tell it, but I was actually born in Liverpool. Um so I was born in Liverpool, lived there before I moved moved to Ireland. Um and then obviously spent most of my childhood in Ireland, but my love for Liverpool is, has never left. So i I never sort of had a choice of what team you support. I never remember supporting a team or think or watching something and thinking, wow, I wanna support that team because of this player, I wanna support this team because of that moment. It was like, from the moment I was born, I was in a Liverpool shirt and that was it. Like, I never had a choice about it and I've never sort of looked and thought, oh, I, would, I wouldn't mind supporting someone else. So it was always Liverpool and it, it always will be Liverpool. Well,
1: it's, it's worked out all right for you at the moment, mate,
0: especially in... Recently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all... Also... I remember, I've, I'm 25, I've never seen Liverpool win the league, so... Oh, OK. It's, um, well, it's been it hasn't all been, been glory.
1: <laughs> Still haven't at the current,
0: current club. Exactly. <laughs>
1: um, so, one thing that um, we do in the podcast In the Football Fan Factory podcast is a show and tell keeper. Um, so, what's your show and tell? I bet I can guess what it is. What's your show and
0: I don't think you're going to be very happy with my show and tell, Johnny. Okay. My show and tell is a ticket, it's a match ticket from last year's Champions League final when Liverpool beat Tottenham 2 0.
1: Yeah, I'm not particularly happy, mate, to be honest.
0: So that's my show-and-tell, my ticket that hangs very nicely on my free and Stephen Gerrard shirt in the hallway.
1: So obviously Kiefer's been giving me quite a lot of stick over the last couple of years as Liverpool come to the top of not only English football, but world football. But Liverpool's a, or oh, Kiefer sorry, is a big fan of an away day with Liverpool. But in typical luck of the Irish fashion, Kiefer ends up going to games or going to away days and somehow getting a ticket for most unbelievable <laughs> fixtures. Go on. So Gonkeep, tell us some of the the games that you've been to the away days in particular.
0: Um, well, so last year I went to, to Barcelona the the match where they actually beat us three um, nice.
1: 0 so I
0: went to the away the away game at the new camp um, and yeah. and watched Messi's unbelievable unbelievable match, and it was just incredible to actually see live and to observe. Yeah. Um, I've been to Seville um, a few times and then a few England ones. So Leicester, Tottenham, Austin Villa, wherever, a few, like quite quite a lot of English ones. Um and then a few abroad as well. Atletico Madrid. Um yeah, so nice. quite a lot. Solid,
1: solid, mate. Well, thanks for your time today, mate. It was great to catch up and a really interesting story of obviously slightly different story to probably most
0: Yeah, no, definitely
1: less.